broadcasting from the Stolen Droids Hangout and discussing everything that has been taking place in the geek world over the past 168 hours. Well, give or take, it's the Stolen Droids Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode number 173. I'm Schmitty. I'm Zoner. And I'm Zook. And we are coming to you from the week of Monday, July 21st. Um, big week, actually. Did you really say big from week. the week of? Like yes. we're in the past? Well, okay. No, no, technically, we're coming from the week of Monday the 14th. But you're hearing us on the week of Monday the 21st. We're time travelers. So confusing. I know. You need a calendar just to catch up with us here. Hey, uh, we want to give a big shout out to our friends over at trekradio.net, kryptonradio.com, openbookaudio.com, and stitcher.com. Uh, if you've been watching our site, you may be wondering why it's been going up and down lately like crazy. As it turns out, we've had some massive, massive issues going on here, and our pals over at 4814 have been busting all out to get us taken care of. Um, as it turns out, it was something that's been sitting on the site for years and has only recently started to break down. And they have spent nights staying up just working on us. And they will, they'll provide you the same support for you. If you go over to 48-14.com, they can hook you up with the best website hosting, the best WordPress support. They're the ones who will take care of you like they take care of us. So thanks, guys. We appreciate it. Um, we're also brought to you by Eagle Moss Limited. Go over to StolenDroids.com and take the banner up at the top because, uh, of course, you have your ad block turned off, right? Please. All the time. Please. And um, they have a special introductory offer for their Starships collection. These things are the most screen-accurate ships you can get. They're the ones that are actually authorized by Paramount. I have them. They're awesome. You should definitely check them out. That's Eagle Moss Limited. We have feedback. We love feedback. Yes, we do. This one comes from Paul. Paul writes, Hi, guys. First feedback email. I'm a bit of an Android nut, and I wanted to chime in on your discussion about the less-than-stellar Galaxy S5 sales. I was an Apple user and had the iPhone 4, and I remember vividly my first experience with the Galaxy S3. For me, it was the first time an Android handset had managed to match the iPhone and even beat it on many features. I worked as a graphic web designer, so the UI of the Samsung and the various tweaks and skins made this the perfect choice when it was time to upgrade. In the UK, I got the impression that after many other consumers felt the same, and the S3 became the gateway drug to the Android. Two years on the S3, two years on, and the S3's build quality just made it over the line and the bloat. Bloatware bogging it down, touch whiz, and it was not faring much better. When it came time to upgrade, I went with the Sony Xperia Z2, which is a nice phone there. Um, mainly for the build quality, specs, and camera, the camera being the factor that edged the Z2 past the HTC One M8. When you look at the Android offering up on the table like the M8, the Z2, and the G3, that's the LG one, they all seem to outclass the rather lackluster S5. With the growing popularity of the Nexus line and the introduction of the Google Play Addiction phones, I would say most Android power users prefer a performance that is, for want of a better term, stock. I'm definitely, definitely one of them, and even though Sony's skin over Android is elegant and understated, I still prefer to use the Nova launcher to get the stock look and feel. Samsung, on the other hand, has gone down such a color-spilled kitten-fart UI design that it's like someone crapped a rainbow on the screen. You can't <laughs> he, tell he right now. He had me at kitten-fart. 
I think this point is shared by Google with their request to Samsung that they keep TouchWiz closer to core Android. So I would say that the S3 and S4 opened the door to Android Kingdom for many of us, but now here we are, LG, Sony, HTC, and other District of Android town look like better neighborhoods to the setup home for 18 to 24 months. Would love to hear you guys talk about Cyanogen and the OnePlus. Anyways, love the podcast. Paul from Edinburgh, Scotland, UK. Paul, thanks for writing. Um, he is, of course, referring to last week's episode where we talked about how the S5 was not selling as much as Samsung had expected. And we were kind of talking about how the S5 now stacks up against other phones. Schmitty has the S4. Zoner's wife has the S4. I think, Zoner, you still have the... You had the Nexus, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I've got a Nexus 5, but I did have an S3, and I yeah. freaking loved it. Yeah, and people, even though the S4, like we said last week, originally had some issues, they got ironed out, and it's still a solid phone. Which is what Paul seems to be saying as well, is that the S3 was his gateway, like it was for a lot of people. And now the S5 just doesn't seem to keep that keep that level of quality up. It doesn't offer or, enough. Or or maybe it does, but, but he's right about uh, so many other phones offering more. Um, I think compared to iPhones, uh, the S series, the Galaxy S series is still a good entry point to, to Android. Um, but... But I, but I think he's right. There's, there's definitely more on the table uh, from other manufacturers. What do you think about what he's saying about people wanting to keep it as close to stock? I like that. I use Google Nexus. That's part of the reason because I get tired of all the bloat from other manufacturers. Now, it's kind of interesting to me because back in the day, way back in the day, Android stock was not very good. No. 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 They've come a long way. They have. They've added a lot to it. I mean, well, in a way, it's kind of been the same with every phone, okay? If you're an iPhone user and you've been for years, you remember that you had to jailbreak your phone to get the most basic things in there, to get cut and paste, okay? And and I'm not coming down on the iPhone because Windows Phone had the same issue, Android had the same issue. You had to hack the crap out of that device to get it to do what you wanted it to do. And then they just started taking that and integrating it into the core OS so more and more... Both the iPhone and Android started to do what you wanted it to do out of the box. You didn't have to get an overlay anymore for all the special features. You didn't have to go in and, and root it. Right. So I think I personally prefer stock now. Yeah. You know, well, and then I, he, Paul brings up uh, Cyanogen Mod, which uh, I, I believe the Cyanogen Mod crew, uh, maybe it's just one guy, I can't remember, uh, they are trying to make Cyanogen as close to stock or at least close looking, closely looking like stock as possible, and uh, I, I think the the One Plus has a lot to offer in that realm. Where now, others... now bef- before we get into the One Plus, I just want to clarify. I thought the head guy from CyanGen was hired by Samsung. Am uh, I wrong? As I think, a, I think he was, but I mean, CyanGen, I believe it's a team. I don't think it's just a single guy. Yeah, I don't think he was hired as an employee. I think he was hired as a, a consultant. Okay, okay. Now, let's get into the OnePlus. And I'm kind of beside myself because we haven't discussed the OnePlus much. Because nobody really cares. Well, I care, and I'm not even an Android. <laughs> there are pretty just, awesome No, it, it's actually a big deal. I think it's actually a yeah. big deal, and we should have probably discussed it by now. Cyanogen Mod by itself uh, is really a... Uh, first and foremost, it's, it's it has begun as a niche market. In order to get it on your phone, it takes a lot of dedication and work. Um, there are some phones that it doesn't work correctly on, so you have to make sure you get the right build for your phone. 
Um, so I, I think it's a really good thing that we're seeing it come out um, as uh, the OEM operating system on a phone to, to begin with. So so the people that are CyanogenMod fans or even people that aren't and want to see what it's all about don't have to worry about um, trying to go through all the rigmarole to get it installed. So, You know, yeah. when I had my first android phone it was a droid incredible 2 and i rooted that the moment i was able to the moment there was a permanent route available for it i did it and the very first thing i installed on it the very first rom i tried was cyanogen and granted this is probably four or five years ago now but Mm -hmm. i mean even then cyanogen they it it was a legit and i said that just for you schmitty it was <laughs> no, it, it was a it was a legitimate force in the Android world, and so it, it actually makes sense that they would start being the OEM ROM OS, whatever you want to call it, on phones that are that are coming off the line yeah. at this point. They, I think that it's it's cool that they've evolved to that point. Yeah, one one thing that's kind of weird to me is that. Uh, for for me, I would put CyanogenMod on my phone right now in order to unlock like the the full capabilities of Google Wallet or NFC because Verizon has locked that down so much. Um, you don't really need to unlock anything in that way if you start with it. So right, right, having it be a full blown OS OEM OS uh, makes sense in one way in some ways and doesn't make sense in other ways, but. Now, now the OnePlus, the OnePlus One, technically, because the company is OnePlus and the phone is the One, uh, which isn't confusing at all. Thank you. Uh, they're kind of shouldn't we call it the Two? Yeah, the OnePlus One is the Two. Uh, you remember when Vizio first came into the TV market, and their entire goal was to jump in and screw things up as much as possible to be a disruptor. And then they went into the computer industry and they said the same thing: we're going to get in there and we're just going to be a disruptor. And they did. They they were able to produce really really quality products products for a much lower price point and it really screwed with everyone else the one plus one is the same idea they're calling it the flagship killer has a quad core snapdragon 801 cpu three gigs of ram a five and a half inch uh screen it has a huge battery nfc bluetooth 4 uh wireless ac it has every feature you'd want in a phone and it starts at 290 dollars Okay, that's half the price of any other flagship phone. So, I mean, they are on track for really messing with the industry. The problem is, is that they're not as readily available as many of the other ones, and in many cases, your carrier will not subsidize the cost. Yeah. You know, I, ironically, when when I first heard about Android and uh, the, open, oh, the Open Handset Alliance, um, the ideas that were popping into people's head was exactly what the OnePlus One is going to be. Everyone thought, oh, Google phones are going to be really cheap. They're going to be uh, just full of features, um, and you're going to be able to do what you want with it. Turns out that's not the case, but now that's what we're getting with CyanogenMod and the OnePlus. So it's kind of ironic. (laughs) Do you think it's going to stay that way, though? I think it's opening the doors for a lot more. If they're able to gain a foothold, do you think that they're going to stay inexpensive do you think that you know they're going to be the what they are now or are they going to evolve into a samsung or an lg or a motorola where it's just you get blockbuster apps on your phone when blockbuster's out of business that's a good question because verizon still does that yeah (laughs) I, i was going to relate it to um 
Ubuntu laptops on on the market now, but I don't I don't think we can compare CyanogenMod to Ubuntu uh, when comparing to Android. So I don't I don't know if that's a good because you know when when Ubuntu laptops started coming out um, and people thought that it would start to overtake Windows. Well, they really haven't overtook overtaken Windows PCs in in sales, um, but it does make the laptop cheaper. But people still aren't willing to learn Ubuntu. Um, where in this case, the phone is a little cheaper because they don't have the full licensing thing. But it's the exact same as Android. It works the same. So I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> but, but it sounded but good. Don't know where I was going, but now I'm there. <laughs> All right. Well, um, Paul, again, thanks for your uh, your feedback. We do appreciate it. And, you know, hey provided at least 10 minutes of talking material so it was a good question um hey into our first headline which happens to be about samsung uh so they did a bit of a workforce probe in one of their uh chinese uh suppliers they found that they are using child laborers child laborers yeah i was gonna say that doesn't sound right No, no. Uh, they, they basically said that it was, they found, quote, serious and persistent, unquote, labor violations at a facility in China. The China Labor Watch uh, investigated Dongyang Xinyang Electronics and found multiple instances where there were at least three underage girls that were hired to work 12-hour shifts making parts for Samsung's phones. Um, th- so they are cutting ties with them for good. This kind of actually roundabout way kind of goes back to what we were talking about last week with a lot of these phone manufacturers that are just forcing, I shouldn't say force because that's the wrong word. However, here's the situation. Samsung says, we need to outproduce the iPhone. We need to produce 20 million units at launch because if we don't have 20 million units at launch, we'll sell out and that's bad. So they go to their suppliers and they say, okay, that means we need 20 million cameras and all the cameras need to have this level of perfection, except for the cameras have like a 5% failure rate to every yield. So that means they actually need, uh, you know, they need 5% above that 20 million, which means that now each and every single manufacturer along the line, because it's not just one company that makes phones for Samsung, it's a whole bunch of them that provide parts and then they get assembled. And even then those fail and they have to go back and redo it. Every single factory is for every part of the phone there is, so the battery, the screen, the chassis, the memory, the CPUs, the storage, the cameras, the NFC, the Bluetooth, you name it there. For every part, they have to make $20 million plus whatever their failure rate is, which means they have a lot of people working around the clock, which means they start going against labor laws and they start violating human rights and whatnot. And you get stories about people throwing themselves off Foxconn towers and people dying from carbon monoxide in the factory or underage girls working in factories. And the real kicker is, is that Samsung isn't even able to sell all 20 million of those phones. So yeah, this is bad. Kudos to Samsung for cutting ties with the factory. But the truth of the matter is, is that the entire industry, the entire smartphone industry is having a major problem with this. You know, there was actually a, uh, and I know I'm kind of going off on a tangent here immediately, but there was a really interesting uh, article written by the Washington Post about a gentleman who came from Tibet and how to pay his way into working for a company that was making camera components for Foxconn. He wasn't even working for Foxconn directly. Hmm. He had to pay 
um, an agent of sorts to get his name into the consideration. They had to pay another agent to then take that list for consideration and get them jobs. Then they had to hire another agent. Basically, by the time he started working, he had already promised away the first two years of his wages just to pay the people who got him the job. Yeah, but crazy. the failure rate out of that factory was so high that Foxconn ended up going with a different supplier for the camera lenses, and they were all laid off. So, so I mean, it's just... I, I don't understand that. If you're going to give away two years of wages to get a job to which you're going to work extreme hours in extreme conditions, how do you live? Well, um, the company who you work for usually sets you up in dormitories. That's true. That's with Foxconn. I forgot that's the case. Yeah. Um, if anyone, if this is sounding really, really weird to anyone and you don't understand how that can possibly be a thing in the modern world, um, you need to go back to your U S history. This was the same thing that happened to coal miners and railroad workers and sailors. I mean, we kind of take it for granted now in the 21st century, but for a long time, this is how laborers worked. Mm -hmm. So in other parts of the world, it's still how they're working. The only difference is, is it takes a, like 10 years to complete a railroad, or you may be a miner your entire life. Here, the new Galaxy S6 launches, they don't need this camera anymore. Sorry, you still owe us all this money, and we're not going to let you go back home to your home country until you pay it, but we're not paying you anymore either, so you can't pay it back. Yeah. It's bad all around, and it leads to situations like factory workers throwing themselves off roofs and young girls working in factories. <laughs> Just another reason not to get an S5. <laughs> well, I remember talking about about a year ago when, when there were the suicides going on um, at Foxconn, and uh, we discussed a little bit on what kind of future this might have for, for future electronics. Are we going to see a decline in this? Um, are are we going to see start seeing less... Uh, less phones being manufactured or devices overall. And no, we haven't seen anything slow down. In fact, they're ramping up. So yeah, even, even HTC, remember when they announced the HTC one and they said that was their one phone for the year, they were only going to produce one phone for the year. And that was their one. And then they came out with like five. That was their <laughs> one variant. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's just one phone, but five flavors. I don't think they know how to do one phone. No. Well, now I'm concerned because last week I just bought a refrigerator and it's a Samsung. So am I, I'm probably <laughs> contributing to like... Did it come with like a young Chinese girl inside? It actually <laughs> did. It was really weird. I couldn't figure out why it was so heavy and it's because it was packed with like half a dozen six-year-olds. But yeah, it it, it was heavy. There's so many ways you can take too. that. Was, Hashtags honor goes there. <laughs> And by there, we mean hashtag prison. I wasn't going there. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, Zook did bring it up. So. Hey, <laughs> people, hey, hey, don't You people me. suck. That's all I got to say. Y'all suck. Okay. Um, got time hey, for that. Talking about suck, um, time for BlackBerry. <laughs> Excellent segue. So a new feature that will be available for the BlackBerry Passport, you know, their square phone of doom that we keep talking about. Um, they have the BlackBerry Assistant. It is what you think it is, okay? We are now, what is this, three years after Siri has launched. 
Uh, we are six months after Cortana launched. We're two years after Google Now really hit it big. About yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, it's old news. We know what an assistant is. It, yeah. We know what an assistant is. As soon as BlackBerry said the words BlackBerry Assistant, we knew what it was. This doesn't keep them, though, from really advertising that now, hey, using only your voice, you can tell the BlackBerry that you want to schedule a meeting or send an email or send a text to someone, and they know who you're talking about. That's great. That's like saying, now, with our brand new car, you can actually drive forwards and backwards. The steering wheel now goes left and right. Without having to push it with your feet. Yeah. Now, in cold weathers, you no longer have to get out to the front of your car and crank start it with our new electronic starter motor. I mean, <laughs> just rub it in, guys. Yeah. I, well, I was I actually was... referencing the Flintstones, and I don't think either of you got that. But whatever. I did. Let's I just got move it. on. We're not I as old it. as you. <laughs> get off my lawn. <laughs> um, now, the real problem is, is the reason why this might actually be a really good idea is the fact that, frankly... The BlackBerry OS is a nightmare to use. Now, I am 100% positive that if you gave me a BlackBerry and told me that it was the only phone I was going to be able to use, give me a few weeks, I would be able to make my way with it okay. In fact, I had a BlackBerry. It was BlackBerry OS 7. It wasn't the OS 10, but uh, I was able to figure out how to use it as an actual phone for a while there before I killed it. But Zoner and I have used OS 10. Schmidt, yeah, I think I, you've had hands-on. I hands just on. keep thinking about when we were down in Vegas looking at that. It was so counterintuitive. I think having a voice assistant may be the only way you actually can use BlackBerry OS X. <laughs> Unless you have to speak like in Yoda syntax. It's like an HP calculator. Yeah, it's like <laughs> one of those financial calculators where nothing makes two sense. Two enter, two plus. <laughs> well, it, if it's anything that they, they say it is, and, and if it's anything like, Siri or Cortana or Google Now, um, I, I think it might have some promise. Did I say that with a straight face? It definitely <laughs> should, um, because this day and age, if you claim you're going to come out with something like that and you don't hit it 100% plus some, you have failed considerably considering everyone else has made it to market before you and they have working systems. Yeah. And not just before you, years before you. Well, you can <laughs> argue that Siri was in beta for the first year or so. And there were some quirks, but it showed True, but everyone still else. still years. Yeah, years. And, and, and it, even it, Google Now wasn't fully functional when it first came out. So. Yeah, and Cortana still has its little quirks that, that they're working through. I mean, and some of the features they're rolling out. My phone can do impressions now. Cortana will, cool. will pretend she's someone else and she'll quote movie lines from other things. That's <laughs> cool, but that's not really a helpful feature, Microsoft. <laughs> Now, now, one thing I was a little impressed by uh, after reading this article, and I, I immediately went and tried some of these on my phone, but it couldn't do it. Um, the BlackBerry Assistant can turn on the flashlight when you tell it to turn on the flashlight. Um, and I think they also... I think that's the only one I can think of <laughs> for now. Which but, is very handy because you have no idea where the flashlight setting is on that phone. Right. And, and then I got to thinking about it, though. It, it, for that one um, example... When I do want to turn on the flashlight, it's because it's dark and because everyone is asleep. I don't want to be talking to my phone when everyone's asleep. Hey, phone! <laughs> hey, phone, you! Turn on the flashlight! But uh, I'm sorry, did you that, want me to email John? No! <laughs> uh, other than that, though, I mean, I, 
I don't know. I, that's just the one thing I was impressed about that my phone could. I do. thought Android could open apps now. You can open apps. So if you if you know the name of the app, I have a uh, Tesla LED. I can say open Tesla LED, and then from there I have to interact with with the app itself. If the app itself doesn't support voice command, you're on your own. Yeah, see, um, Cortana does. You can open apps and you can control certain ones, ones that the developer has enabled voice control. The one app that I always want to use voice controls on when I'm driving is Angry Waze. Birds. <laughs> okay. I, <laughs> yeah, I just I play Angry Birds while I drive. It's how I get from point A to point B via slingshot. 45 but degrees. I tell it I'll tell I'll tell my phone to launch Waze. And it all of a sudden, uh, like Google's launch W-A-Y-S. What? So, <laughs> I, I've tried pronouncing it weird, Wazzy, Wazy. I mean, I, I cannot get it to launch Waze because the name is too stupid, I guess. I don't know. See, and that's where, and I'm going to start bragging about my Windows phone again, you know, for what it's worth. Uh, that's where the developers really have to work better because I can tell Cortana, get me directions to 500 South Main Street. And she'll kick back, okay, getting you directions to 500 South Main Street. And then she opens Waze and inputs the address into Waze and routes it for me. Yeah, I think Google now does that if you have your default navigation software set to Waze and you ask it, get me directions to X location. Yeah, I got no problem saying get me from point A to point B. It's just trying to actually launch the app using voice commands. Yeah, for that I say open ways. And <laughs> and and Cortana figures it out. Which is odd to me because Google owns ways now and you'd expect better integration. Anyway, really we're way would. off topic. Stay on topic. <laughs> Hey, um, talking about Android and iOS and all those different things, a new uh, chart was brought out that Microsoft had to kind of wear egg on its face for and come out and sheepishly say, yeah, it's right. We were always talking about how Microsoft dominates the world. 90% of the world's machines run Windows, okay? That's been the number since, like, the mid-90s, okay? It's just everyone knows it. It's like vernacular knowledge. Everyone knows that Vader is Luke's father. Everyone knows Wait, what? that Scott. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> Sorry. Everyone knows that Scotty beams Kirk up, and everyone knows that Windows rules the computer world. But here's the problem, and this new Gartner report points it out, is that computers are no longer the dominant machine. That for every computer there is, there's like three or four smartphones, tablets, netbooks. Who knows what? And when you look at the overall picture of the devices people are using, Microsoft's share shrinks considerably. We're talking going from 90% of all computers, but 13.9% of machines overall. The big chunk, 38.5, that's Android. Now, 90% of that is Samsung. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> now, here's what I love. And I'm sorry, all you iOS listeners out there. Well, obviously, iOS is huge, right? I mean, sure, it's not as big as Android anymore. But when you combine that with OS X, their share must be enormous. No, uh, their overall share is 10%. No. That's iOS and OS 10.1%. Oh, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> that is every Apple user. iPads, iPhones, iPods, iPod Touches. Mm. Okay, no. Apple TV. 
every Apple user would be less than that because every Apple user has multiple devices. Oh, you're right. Man, I thought there were way more hipsters in that. There probably were at one point. Now, the big question mark is the 37.5% other. I'm going to guess, and this is without me having access to the knowledge, but just my <laughs> knowledge of you know, corporate IT, that most of that is probably Linux. A lot of the back-end servers that run the Internet are all Linux, some, mm-hmm. some variant of Linux. Um, yeah, BlackBerry's probably in there as well. They probably still have some Sibian. Symbian. I, don't, I never learned how to say Nokia's. Symbian, yeah. You, you might have some Palm OS. There's a reason it's called Other. It's because it's a giant melting pot of everything that yeah. isn't Windows, everything that isn't Android, and everything that isn't. But what I want to know is, is Chrome OS on here, or is it part of the Other? Is Chrome OS counted as part of Android? Because it shouldn't be. I wouldn't consider it part of Android. Android's its own thing. I would would consider iOS part of OS X. True. Well, and in the same right, I wouldn't... Hopefully, this chart doesn't include Unix servers, like you you say, Zook. Because we all know that the internet is like 99% run by Unix servers. Yeah, there are a few Windows servers out there, and... um, AS400 servers, I guess, is still, a, oh, still yeah. out there. But if if they include all those, I mean, like, that's like the infrastructure of the Internet. That could totally sway the numbers. So I, I really highly doubt that they are using Unix mm-hmm. as a whole. But now this should have a positive effect here. Uh, and I'm reading just for, for the from the article here. Microsoft Chief Operating Officer Kevin Turner told the WPC 2014 audience, quote, we have to have a new mindset because when you're in a 90 plus percent share world, you have the protect and preserve mindset. When you have a 14 percent share, you have to have a challenger mindset. Which, end quote, which I think is what Google has had this whole time. The reason why Google has been so aggressive with rolling everything out, be it be it a good idea, be it a bad idea, just you have an idea, you're an employee, great, it's our idea now, and we're rolling with it. Mm-hmm. you got to remember, Google Docs was that way, Gmail was that way, Google Hangouts was that way. Every majorly used Google product was some brainstorm from an employee. Google Ads was... A brainstorm, and it's now we're using this term a lot. But it, Google's ninety percent of Google's income is from ads. Yeah. So well, everything that Google has done, they've come into the market the underdog. There's everything they've done, with the exception of um, that failure of an experiment. I can't remember what it's called. Buzz. Um, buzz. Uh, waves. They had waves too. Oh, waves too. Yeah, that's right. Everything they've done have. There was already a competitor on the market that already had a huge chunk of the market share, um, and they've been able to to overcome that. And I and I think I, I think I know I know where you're going with that. Where Windows, or Microsoft, always had that ninety percent um, mentality when coming out with Windows phones because they thought they already had it, and that's why they're not um, right. being as aggressive. Let, let's yeah. just make sure it's stable. We want to make sure it's working well. We want to make sure it's what everyone wants, you know, playing the definite stodgier. I almost want to say the one who's a little bit more secure and Android is just like, Nope, just pop them out. I don't even care who makes them anymore. Just pop out as many right. Android phones as we can. Well, one thing with Google as well is they slapped the beta tag on everything, which kind of redefined the way people perceive beta. And, in doing so, they were telling people, yeah, this is something that we're working on. It may go away at any time. It may not work. 
But hey, use it and tell us what you think. Yeah, and and to be fair, people who are listening to this may not remember, but there was a time when beta meant broken. Yes. It's unfinished. It is broken. And now people think, ooh, beta. That means I have early access. It's like, no, no, it's still broken. That's what beta (laughs) means. Alpha means don't even try. Beta means we think it might work, but it might not. Yeah. Release candidate means, okay, we think we got it ironed out. You can try now. (laughs) But now, because of Gmail's perpetual beta status, I mean, that was beta for, what, seven years? Yeah, years and years. Yeah. Almost ten years. (laughs) Yeah, beta now just thinks, oh, that means I have access and you don't. Ha ha. I'm on an exclusive list. (laughs) I wonder if that's what made Android so so popular so quickly, is that with with Gmail um, particularly – People got into the mindset that uh, that it was okay to jump into something new, and so especially with all the Gmail users, uh, bought into Android not because it was Google, but because they already had that mindset of let's test something fresh out of the water. You know, let's get on this wagon. It's possible. It's possible. I am excited to see Microsoft take on the challenger mindset again because it's been a long time since they were last the underdogs. And there's a reason why they grew to become the largest in the world. It's because their underdog mindset is a scary thing to behold. (laughs) I'm kind of excited and a little frightened. Um, We may have been seeing some of the first part of that actually this week. Um, It was announced, it was leaked and then announced, that Microsoft would be laying off 18,000 employees. Uh, That sounds like a lot. It's not a small amount. I don't have a lot of links here for everyone, and I apologize for it, but uh, it's mainly because this is just kind of one central idea, and there's a lot of articles. Look it up. You'll be able to find out information on it. Um, that is a no, lot I, of people. I kind of have to but, uh, correct you on that. I, I don't think that um, they ever worded it as layoffs. They did say 18,000 job cuts, and I, I, I wanted to um, emphasize that because I don't think they're necessarily going there will be necessarily 18,000 people losing jobs. Right, right. So, um, Well, people will be losing their jobs. Right, but not 18,000. I just wanted to put that out there. This adds up to about 15% of Microsoft's overall workforce. Now, why don't we sound like we're too surprised by this? Because a good chunk of those, like 12,500, are coming from Nokia's manufacturing division. Remember, Microsoft just bought Nokia. And Nokia wasn't just making Windows phones. They were making a lot of other stuff that Microsoft has no interest in continuing. Now, if they sell those lines off to other manufacturers, which I would think they would, um, then those people will keep their jobs. They just won't be working for Microsoft. Um, if you, What this means is that if they had announced this only a couple of weeks ago, they'd be laying off 5,500 and not 18,000. Because only 5,500 people were there before the Nokia acquisition. They are also, uh, and I'm kind of bummed by this, they're going to be getting rid of Xbox Entertainment Studios. Which, uh, currently they're working on the Halo TV series. Um, that is still in effect. They've said that anything that was on uh, on production is still in production. They're just not going to be developing any new TV shows. Which, honestly, that's okay. I'm I'm bummed by it. They could have done some really cool stuff, but that's not something you do when you're hurting for share, for market share. You don't say, hey, I'm going to randomly start a TV series now. 
Well, no, and it, it, it's kind of disappointing because it this is something that's been in the works for almost, uh, well, actually only a half a year now. Um, and it was supposed to bolster the entertainment value of, of the Xbox titles. So it, is this, is this indicative of, um, of the, of the route they want to take with the Xbox is, are we going to see, I think it's more, I mean, let me, let me go on to the other thing here, uh, that they're canceling. There was a proposed 3d interface set for windows phone and surface supposed to be launching early next year. Forget the name of the code name for it right now. But the idea was that you can hover your hand over something and interact with it in the 3d manner right now, windows phones and windows devices have live tiles where each tile has two sides. They flip back and forth. Using this, you could hover your hand over it, and it would expand out to like eight different tiles, and you could manipulate them all to get the information you want. Cool idea, right? Just like Xbox Entertainment, cool idea. But here's the issue. The issue is is that when you're looking at from a business standpoint, you have to break it out into what's going to cost the most, what's going to cost the least, what's going to have the biggest impact, What's going to have the least impact? So if you have projects like Microsoft, that Xbox Entertainment that are going to cost a lot and have little impact, they get cut. Uh, yeah. 3D interface, huge cost, next to no impact. Yeah. Well, I can understand the 3D inf- interface being dropped, um, but it, in, this, in this day and age when everyone's making their own content, even Yahoo now... Um, it kind of it kind of seemed like they wanted to get in in on that, and it was a smart idea because everyone's doing it. So that's why I'm baffled as to why they're dropping. It. I I kind of understand it because Yahoo's doing it from the wrong. I mean, I'm happy Yahoo's doing it. I'm really thrilled they have community. But when you look at how iTunes was able to take off, iTunes doesn't create content. iTunes takes other people's content and sells it to you. Right. Right. Netflix used to sell you other people's content, now is creating their own. And that's working well for them. Amazon still sells you other people's content. Yeah. You know, get that working first. That's something that Microsoft hasn't even been able to get working. They, well, don't, they don't have a marketplace. They, so. they do have Xbox Video and, and Xbox Music. But you're right, it's not, it's, they're still not up to par with those. So. So. so we will see some things being switched up at Microsoft. Uh, you're going to see a lot, if you haven't already, you're going to see a lot of news articles um, our hearts go out to those 18,000 people, but at the same time, it's not the death throes for Microsoft that the journalism world wants you to believe. Well, how long have we been hearing from quote-unquote experts that Microsoft is dead, that the <laughs> PC is dead? I mean, I saw something earlier this week that said that PC gaming is like leading all consoles leaps and bounds ahead. We've been told by these experts you know that whatever is on its way out and this is the next big thing you're exactly right zook i think microsoft's going to be around for a very very long time yeah you don't kill a giant that big with such a little little bit of bullets um speaking of journalism a journalist was trying to make a point this doesn't take a lot of talking about, but he was trying to make a point seeing how passwords are dead and that two-factor authentication or device authentication, as it's sometimes called, is where the future is. And to prove his point, he gave everyone his Twitter password. He published it online. Now, if you don't know what two-factor authentication is, it's the idea that you have a password still, but even after entering in your password, you then have to enter in a six- to eight-digit code, sometimes longer, that is being generated by your device. This code often switches out every 30 seconds, 
so it's not the same code from time to time. And without that code, you still can't get in. Or in so this case, Twitter texts you the eight-digit code. Right. You put it. Now, yeah, I still, similar to RSA for those who've been around for a while. Yeah. I yeah. use it all the time. I love it. Yes, it makes it a bit of a pain at times, but you know what? No one has gained access to any of my accounts this way since. But there is a downside. See, when you do this through Twitter, Twitter then gives out your phone number because it has to text you. Which means, okay, so now no one could get into his Twitter, but everyone got his phone number. <laughs> well, and not only that, but everyone that tried logging in with his password, um, it would send a text with a, an access code to him. So he was getting two or three texts per minute with access codes because people were trying to access his account. Maybe it's wise to still not publish your Twitter password. Just thinking. <laughs> he might be right. You know, the password may be dead, but let's not do it anyway. Password's only half dead. It, snail snail no one, mail is nearly dead, and I don't give everyone my home address. Okay, people? <laughs> yeah, no, no one still, I mean, his, his Twitter account's safe still. No one has gotten into it. But it did cause a lot of headache for him. Yeah. Um, into some cool uh, Tesla news. Tesla, the wonderful company with Elon Musk, who is Schmitty's idol and man crush. <laughs> I saw one on the road the other day. In fact, I think I emailed you guys. Yeah, the yeah. and there's one that drives uh, <laughs> alongside me for most of my commute in the morning. It's pretty awesome. Um, he has said in past interviews, give him you know seven to ten years. He will have a car cheap enough for everyone to afford. That is their I goal. Their first goal, their their first car was the Roadster, and the Roadster was around a hundred grand. Their next one was the Model S, which is the current one, and it starts at eighty grand. They're working on the X, Model e. oh, uh, yeah, X. The, the X, which is their SUV with the weird Falcon doors. It should be around ninety grand. These are all luxury devices, right? They're really really expensive. They're hard to justify for people who don't have that kind of money. They've just announced the Model Three. It starts at thirty five thousand. That's still more than a Corolla, but honestly, that's like Camry or Accord or, you know. It's low-end Mustang. It's, it's, yeah. um, it's Ford Taurus range. Yeah. yeah. That is, that's affordable. Taurus SHO. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, this, this is affordable, people, and this is, early renders have said, I mean, if I could, if I'd get one. The idea here is not just that they're going to be making cars, but he wants them to become so popular that countries and states and companies are forced to install superchargers everywhere. The idea is very much like the Model T, Ford's original Model T. By the time that the Model T came out, there were other cars, but it was still hard to find gas, and it was still hard to find a road that was built with a car in mind because they were built with horse and carriage in mind. By the time the Model T stopped rolling out, they had been so popular, everyone had one, that you couldn't go anywhere without finding a new road that was built for cars and gas stations to help fuel them. And that's what they're trying to do here. Well, And not only that, but, but Ford was smart, and they gave company discounts to people who bought, bought fleets of Model Ts. And um, that really uh, boosted you know, the whole fuel economy, if you will. Um, and so I, the fuel infrastructure, infrastructure. Yes. So Elon Musk, if you're listening, that's what you need to do. You need to offer fleet discounts on your Tesla. I companies. happen to know of a media company in Utah, uh, that has many, many popular podcasts who would love a fleet of Teslas. Yeah. We, I we want have one with the Tesla coil on like the hood ornament that just like, 
shoots people, you know, that get that in my would way. Be some warning, your range biker. may decrease. <laughs> yeah, some idiot road biker won't get out of my way or something, you know. That's yeah, that's if what I'm camping, I, want. I can just power that thing on and take care of all the bugs. Yeah. It also charges your phone and your smartwatch and <laughs> yeah. War- warning, may act as low yield EMP. Ooh, fun. <laughs> so that's kind of cool. Um, unfortunately, on the flip side of that, of that bit of advancement, the FBI has come out. And this is an article from The Guardian. And I swear, sometimes I have the worst time trying to figure out if The Guardian is a tabloid or not. But according to this, ep- this article in The Guardian, the FBI has uh, labeled autonomous cars as lethal multitaskers, <laughs> saying that by having an autonomous car, it allows people who are trying to flee crime scenes to just tell the car to do the driving while they are free to then engage the cops. You know, I think this, there, there's some truth to that, but I think what they're, they're saying is ridiculous because you can say that about anything. Yeah. Anything can assist you in being lethal. A pencil can be lethal. I mean, so saying, want to see a magic trick. So saying that autonomous cars are lethal weapons is like a no-duh statement. Anything can be used as a lethal weapon. So I, I think this whole thing is ridiculous. Mel Gibson could be a lethal weapon. Maybe not he anymore. <laughs> but here's the I don't know. Though. He's in Expendables 3. He could still he could still probably do it. Don't He's they have point. many... I remember this, and this is like 15 years ago when they were testing this, and I've seen it in action, that cops in certain areas had an EMP gun that they could aim at a car... And shut it down. Yeah, but they don't need that anymore because of OnStar. Right. And even now, yeah, they can call in plates and see if the vehicle has OnStar, call into OnStar, and OnStar can shut it down. So why are they so worried that an autonomous car wouldn't have some kind of, I don't know, interface into that autonomy to shut it down? That's actually a really good point. Google could give them a back end where they, you know, with with certain reasons, a, a, a police force could, you know, have a tool to take over a car if they needed to i don't know if maybe maybe the fbi thought that when they said autonomous cars they thought they meant like sentient or something <laughs> that could be but schmitty you know that google if even if they didn't give them a back end they would take a back end oh they already have one we you know as a i mean developers like to make back ends for themselves whether or not it's legal you know they already have one. Oh yeah totally well we've talked about their splicing with the napkin and whatnot yeah i mean remember remember the whole uh war driving thing with it uh the google streetcar going around taking pictures also taking information on um on wi-fi yeah. networks there um they were grabbing a little bit too much information it's not that they were maliciously doing that it's just what developers do they're like let's see how much we can get you know they're in their minds they were doing something good yeah so. now um it does say that there is a note of caution it because at the end of the report, it admits autonomous cars would likely face many hardships with evasive driving or car chases. Yeah, like maybe the fact that they're currently limited to 25 miles an hour. <laughs> I'm just thinking. I, here, Seriously, when they say a lethal multitasker and that they're describing cops, them engaging the cops while the car drives itself, and I'm thinking of the O.J. Simpson chase. That's exactly what I just thought of. Only in a much less manly vehicle. <laughs> You know what? One one legitimate way I could see these becoming lethal is, um, you know, there there might be times when you need to uh, take over manually, um, and if you're so used to 
you know, not driving, that you've got both hands um, busy, and then there comes that time when you need to take the manual override, and you can't because you're holding a coffee mug in one hand and a book in another hand, you know? See, when you say, you know, both hands pause are busy, I just, my mind immediately went there. (laughs) See, that's Honor's job. You're already... (laughs) I'm the guy that goes there, which sounds like a romantic comedy or a adult film. Zoner is the man who goes there. But see, I see that happening more often than someone putting it into autopilot while they shoot their way out of a situation. (laughs) Just saying. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll just call that population control. Um... (laughs) Into some other news here. Got to keep moving here. Um, in a funny bit of, uh, I don't even know what to say here. Manuel <laughs> Noriega is currently suing Activision. If you don't know who Noriega is, ask your parents. But needless to say, he, he's not a great guy. The late, latest Call of Duty Black Ops 2 has a mission that involves Noriega. It uses his likeness. It's not even apologizing. It's just saying he's in there. And he wants royalties for using his likeness and for all sorts of different things. Well, Activision is kicking back saying, one, he can't sue us for likeness. He's not a U.S. citizen, so he can't take us to court. Two, he's a historical figure. We're free to use that. Isn't he also in jail? Yeah, I kind of thought that myself, but maybe, I don't know. I, I seem to remember President Reagan running some sort of mission in which he was captured. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe knows, I'm wrong. Doesn't matter. I, yeah, he's, he's not American, and he is a, a historical figure. So, yeah, he, and who knows if the statute of limitations? Nicaragua? Panama. Oh, pan. Yeah, Panama. Um. So who who knows if if they have to be dead before you use it or not? Uh. But he's not American, so he can't... I don't know. That's what they're saying here, so... (laughs) Maybe he'd like it. Maybe if he just played the game, he'd like it. Yeah, try it. Try shooting yourself. (laughs) Oh, so this is how they captured me. Oh, that's cool. Um, Into some cool, odd news. Uh, We have Avengers news. Two bits of Avengers news. And I'm sure Squishy will talk about this more on Squishy's Comics and Movies. But there is a new Thor who has been announced. And Thor is now a woman. Yep. And the internet exploded over this. This isn't she Thor. This isn't Mrs. Thor. This isn't Thor's sister or Thor's girlfriend. This is Thor. Now, um, before we go into debunking that, other new news came out, and it's a new Captain America. um, Steve Rogers is out. Sam Wilson is in. And if that name sounds familiar, it's because... Sam Wilson is Falcon. He played Falcon in uh, Captain America 2. And uh, it was and also good. in the comic book since the 70s. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So Captain America is now black and Thor is now a woman. And everyone is going ape over this. We don't need any political correctness. Why do you have to keep switching things up? Well, here's the thing. If you've been following the Thor comic like I have... This actually makes a lot of sense, and uh, I'll let Squishy go into real big details, but in the most recent storylines, Thor is no longer just one of the Asgardians. He is the only Asgardian left, and he has taken the role... Spoiler alert. (laughs) Yeah, spoiler alert slightly. Well, it's been out for a while, and he has taken the role of Allfather, 
where his father had once had that role. Now he's the All-Father. He can't be that and the God of Thunder. Right. And the inscription says, whoever, so fi- whoever finds this hammer, be they worthy, shall have the power of Thor. Makes sense. So it leaves it open to anyone then, yeah. Now, of course, sometimes it says, should he be worthy, he shall have the power of Thor, but... You know, this is a non-issue to me. There's been dozens of times where these characters have been replaced by dozens of different characters. Beta Ray Bill, I mean, Bucky Barnes, all these people, U.S. Agent, all the, all these people come and go. It's what comics do. The thing that disappoints me, it's not even original. They're replacing them, and it's not an original concept. It happens all the time, yet they're getting all this publicity like hell just froze over. Or something. <laughs> I don't understand why why this I, is getting this. I mean, I, the fact that the Falcon replaced Steve Rogers makes perfect sense. They've been BFFs forever. I think except it's because of the whole... Go ahead. I was just going to say, except he doesn't have... Um, the super serum. He's not a super soldier. <laughs> I, I think. I think all the hype is because the Avengers has been co-opted. is is a lot more popular, and people are are relating it to movie stories. Like uh, the same thing happens when it, when when Lucas changes something in Star Wars. Well, he's it's just an idiot, so he needs because. Well, it, and I use that as a, an example, but any movie, if any movie has a reboot and they change stuff in it, people go ape over that. But because. In the comic book world, comic book fans don't care about it because it's a non-issue, but because now it's in the movie world, now it's a big issue. So I, I think that's why all it's all you know. Yeah, it's like when they made Starbuck Girl. I'm kind of confused <laughs> by this though, from Truth. a business standpoint, because now Avengers is a big name brand and it is money. Why? So it kind of makes me worried. Why would you go and change that? But. I have to assume they know what they're doing. They've done this before, and they've always been okay. Yeah, well, but just because you become popular in the movie world doesn't mean you have to go change your comic book world to match the movie world. That would make comic books really dull. I, mean, I agree. Try, try reading five years of comics that follow movie storyline logic. It wouldn't work, and comic book fans would go nuts over that. I mean, haywire. Not nuts, because that's a positive, but... You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's bad either way. Yeah. You're, no, you're right. Um, our last headline, I'm just going to say it because I've so stopped caring. CISPA is back and has passed. Don't know what CISPA is? Shame on you because we have talked about it plenty of times. Uh, SOPA. Do you remember SOPA? <laughs> PIPA? Remember that extra show we recorded for you? You remember Zoner all those many times saying CISPA's going to come back? CISPA's going to get passed under the radar and no one's going to even care about it? It's going <laughs> to pass? It did. I called it. We'll let you this guys. It's called CISA. Yeah, it's now CISA. All they have to do is change the acronym, and people stop caring. Yeah, that that's that's uh, that's the world we live in. So we'll just let you research that because, frankly, We're no one seems it. to care anyway. <laughs> um, into our favorites, and our favorites are all kind of related to one man, uh, one man who has been releasing one video every day this week and will into next week. Weird Al has his new album out, Mandatory Fun. And he is launching one new video every day for eight days, which is awesome. Now, he uh, before we get into the favorites, uh, he has been in many interviews this week, and he has said he's leaving albums behind. This is his last conventional album. He's not retiring. 
He's not leaving the music industry. Simply, this was the end of a 32-album deal with his record company, which I think is an insane number of albums. And that MTV no longer holds promise like it used to. Today, it's now YouTube. You have to make a song, you have to get it out there, and you have to move much faster to jump on it, or else the idea is gone and someone else has done it. So from here on out, he's going to be doing one or two songs at a time quickly to iTunes or Google Music or Amazon and YouTube, which makes sense, I think. Makes yeah. perfect sense. That's how the internet works now. He, uh, <laughs> you know, and good on him for actually recognizing that and not simply suing everyone into staying into the same model he's used to. Yeah. And if it weren't for the contract, I think he would have done this a lot sooner. He has actually said that, uh, you know, when he has hinted that part of the reason this is called mandatory fun is because it was mandatory he do the album. <laughs> That's awesome. It's like, you will do this and you will have fun. <laughs> so uh, my favorite is uh, the very first song that was released on online. It was not the first song from the album, but it's Tacky. It is a parody of... Uh, Whatever that dude's name is, Happy, which I can't stand that song. Pharrell Williams. Maybe because I'm just a cynic. But Tacky is actually way, way better than Happy. It is so much fun. And the video for it is hilarious. And he has a whole bunch of celebrity friends um, helping out. They're mimicking a lot of the different shots that Happy had. And they're all being very, very, very tacky. So enjoy it. (laughs) Uh, My favorite has become... um my new uh, theme song. Uh, it is Word, Word Crimes, which uh, is a parody of Blurred Lines by Robin Thicke. And uh, it uh, basically just uh, outlines all the uh, pet peeves that I have uh, in when it comes to grammar, grammatical errors. So check it out. <laughs> Not just you. Uh, last time I looked at it, the thing had like a whole load of like, seven million views yeah and that's since tuesday <laughs> of this week it's pretty big and it, the, the thing i like about it is there are a lot of easter eggs in it um and it took me quite a long time to find all the easter eggs in it i'm probably still missing some in fact i, I made a write-up of it uh on our on our site so check that out too and my favorite is sport song if you are a sport fan then you are familiar with sport fight songs uh Typical. Typically, you hear them at college football games, things like that. He's got a big old marching band in the video. Um, this is an original song. Yes, it is an original song. I like his original stuff better. I'm not hip enough to to even know who the people are he's parodying, but I do agree that they are better than the original uh, generally. <laughs> but yeah, fight or sports song is really good. Essentially, telling the whole world that our team is better than yours regardless of the fact that they may not be and you suck (laughs) i love that song and i keep imagining how much better my high school uh sports programs would have been if we had played that before every single game they would have been more entertaining that's for certain yeah um hey before we let everyone go uh we want to point out that we are actually starting our very first crowd source or crowdfunding campaign on indiegogo uh when this show goes up on monday morning it'll probably already have been launched it'll be good for 30 days we have a lot of really fun perks uh we want to take stolen droids and stolen droids media to the next level we want you to be a part of it so uh, please, please, please check it out. Share it on Facebook. Share it on Twitter. I don't ferret. Um, and, you know, donate what you can, when you can. 
um, and get it out to everyone else as well. We we have loved doing this show for you for all these years, and we're in no worry or threat of shutting down. We just simply want to take it to the next level. We want to provide better entertainment for you guys. We want to provide better information and get to more events for you. And to do that, we kind of need your help. So please uh, check that out when you see this, or you, when you hear this, rather. Uh, but until next time, cheers. End of line. Good day. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.